Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. I'm your host, Fabio Molle, and every week I bring you insights from players, coaches, parents, and experts who are ingrained in the world of high-level tennis. This week I speak to Jeff Drock. Jeff is a functional movement specialist, specifically within the tennis world, and he's famously worked with Coco Goff and many others. He worked with Coco Goff as a young player and is doing a bit with her now. Coco's dad, Corey, has been quoted saying, she was always fast, Coco, but working with Jeff has taken her game and speed to another level. With Jeff's guidance, Corey has significantly improved her balance, agility and movement. Corey was referring to Coco as a junior. In our chat today with Jeff, we talk about what makes Coco special and the early days working with her. We also talk about how Jeff got into specializing tennis footwork and movement and how he actually improves tennis players' movements. Finally, Jeff shares his advice with young athletes and how they can improve their own fitness from various resources online. Before we get started, a shout out to our podcast partners, ASICS. I say this in every episode now, but as you know, if you've been listening to the show, ASICS, in my opinion, makes the world's best tennis shoes. And whether you need shoes to cover every inch of the court or spend the full day coaching in them, they have you covered. My personal favorites are the Solution Speeds. And if you're a coach and on court every day, I recommend the Resolution 9. Head over to Asics.com to see their full range. If you have any questions, let me know. I'm here to help. Okay, here's Jeff. Hi, Jeff. Welcome to the Functional Tennis Podcast. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, it's really funny. What normally, like some guests, you're like, I need to get them on. It could take weeks, months, years to get them on. Yours was sort of you giving out to me online uh, regarding the post that we the post to Coco, which I was told was her dad, by the way. So I'm I do this post uh, when Coco. It was the day before the finals day. Post on her Instagram account it was like Coco's dad. Uh, I thought. Sorry, we we'll get to the bottom of it shortly. Uh, working with her as a 10 year old it was on YouTube you'd posted it uh, it was yes. your video and I thought it was really good and as far as I was concerned it was her dad but this thing it went viral actually I think it's at like 30,000 30, likes the moment crazy I saw it posted loads of other places and then I saw I got a mess from you like a day later day and a half later saying look th- that's not uh, that's not Corey Goff it is you'll tell me who it is that's uh, Sly Black Okay, so who's Sly Black? Just really quick, before we get into you, who's Sly Black? Uh, he's developed many, many players throughout the years from when they're young, uh, including Sloane Stevens and his own daughters, um, Alicia Tornado Black and Hurricane Tyra Black. They were both top 10 in, in the world in the juniors. Um, and one way you can tell in that video that it was Sly Black and not her father there was a, you could hear a heavy Jamaican accent. He was a, a tennis player from, from Jamaica. Uh, and he's, he's very well known for developing uh, young players. Okay, well you, well, you took the video as well. So that's, uh, it doesn't get any more legit than that. Like, you know, so thanks for sorting that out. It's good. Sometimes we get the wrong information and sometimes people actually send us the wrong information on purpose. It has happened. So I try and do a bit more fact searching now with some posts and videos but let's kick the things off i read something uh, I, I read something that Corey goff said and he says uh coco goff was always fast but you took her game and speed to a new level uh first of all tell us when you start working with coco and he- what's your secret to this i don't know if there's a, a exact secret to all this 
But um, I mean, for, first of all, uh, Coco was always ridiculously fast. The reason I actually started working with her at eight years old, she was so she would get to any ball on the court, things that were absolutely unimaginable. And then she would just keep running to the next court over, even if people were playing. And obviously, you, you're so far away, you can't get back to the first court. And when other times she would try to stop, but she would fall down and get bloody knees, bloody elbows. And that was, that was almost a daily occurrence. So um, her parents at first, they, they liked the fact that how hard and how intense she was working. Um, but both Sly and myself, we thought it was a bit dangerous. Plus, uh, we figured it would be very helpful for her to have specific tennis movements where she could stop and get back, recover back to the center of the court and move appropriately. We felt that would help her game. So some, some of the things, uh, the deacceleration plus um, very specific tennis movements uh, is how her game was enhanced. We didn't have to work on outright speed, explosion. We had to work on good spacing, getting away from the ball, uh, hitting the ball in your strike zone, stepping the correct way to keep balance. Uh, again, recovery, returning serve with proper stances. If she would step with incorrect feet, because her arms and legs uh, you'll notice even now they are uh, extremely long, which helps her greatly when it comes to power levels and speed, but it doesn't help her when it comes to spacing from the ball. That's why um, when, when she was young, people would try to play her down the middle of the court. She'd have such a, uh, a difficult time until we constantly worked on it, getting out of the way of the ball. And we also, you know, we worked on uh, specific, move, specific movements for returning serve, recovery after the serve, volleys, overheads, uh, cutting off angles. Uh, many, I do many uh, cone drills and reactional drills with the kids, with their tennis racket, actually. And they have to set up with proper stances in proper positions. So that's what brought her game to the uh, really the next level when it comes to on not um, so much speed but on court movement efficiency so naturally she's she's an athlete she's gifted in some way she can she's a Absolutely. fast runner you know she's a hard worker uh, she has that she has that drive but how old was it when you first started working with her she was 8 years old even though her dad says she was seven, we're we're not a hundred percent sure, but um, she was she was little, <laughs> she was about the height of the net. And did you see? You know, you would have come across other kids at that age. Was there something special about her at that young age already, or did you see that more a few years later? I already saw it at that at that young age. I mean, her just her intensity level was was out outrageous. Um. In the sense, she was always calm, never yelled, never threw a racket, never screamed, but 
let's say you'd put her in a race against, I have videos actually. I'll have to maybe show you against. Yes. I would put her in races against maybe boys who are 15, 15 years old and girls who are around that same age, older kids. And she would look at them before the race with such intensity and not say anything. And she wanted to win so bad. And that's just a, just a race. And then as you can imagine on the tennis court, she was just amazing, just amazing. And her ability to, to just think through things instead of getting upset was, uh, was amazing. It was probably instilled from her parents, but I think a lot was just she had some natural determination and fight inside her because her parents never, they didn't say much to her and no, no coaches had to tell her to be more intense, but I promise you she could get more out of a 45 minute practice than you'll see just about, I'd say most players, even players that were much older than her, get out of a three hour practice. She was just that mentally and physically involved. Did she ask a lot of questions? Not too much, not too much. Just once in a, once in a while, you know, what's this for? Just very, very bright questions. She was always way ahead of her time with um, just, just how bright she was. And what about her? Her dad wasn't a tennis player. He only started taking up tennis when she started playing. Is that true? I believe he played tennis actually when he was younger and played some tennis in high school. But he really, he didn't do any of the developmental coaching with her. He may have fed her some balls and so forth on the side, but that probably was only uh, a little bit late, uh, a little younger, a little later. Um, not too much. He kind of he he was very smart in the sense that he surrounded himself with uh, really uh, bright coaches that he could learn from. And did you live locally to them, or did they relocate to near you? How did that uh, work? Lived close to them. Lived pretty close. In the South Florida area. Serendipitous when that happens, when, you know, beside you is a great trainer, great coach at all. The plan starts coming together at an early age. Yes, uh, absolutely. And so uh, you worked with her from, let's say, eight years age uh, until, until when? Uh, until the age of 14. Um, at that point, she won the uh, French Open and turned professional. And really at that point, and even now I'm not I'm not able to travel for several family family reasons. Um, but then I actually started up with her again um, earlier this year in uh, right after the Miami Open. I think it was like April. And uh, just she needed, and I think she will always need uh, some help or at least some practice with her her balance and movement and spacing and the, those sort of things. Speed, uh, again, we really, she doesn't need to work on that. We really never <laughs> needed to uh, emphasize that. It was more the smoothness of movement. And tell me, so you're a, you're a tennis movement specialist. You know, you're really honed in on that. You mainly only work with tennis athletes. 
uh, which is really good because a lot of times players can go to general trainers who who they may work on movement, but it's not really tennis specific. It's really, you know, a one formula applies to everybody, no matter the sport, that's the way they operate. But what's the difference in uh, Coco coming to you rather than her trainer at Mortoglu, who, you know, wh- why would she come back to you? Well, I mean, she still, she has it. At this point, I'm not doing the strength and conditioning side of things as I was uh, between the age of eight and 14. She has a, a great strength and conditioning coach, Stefan. I'm just doing the, uh, the footwork and movement side of things when, she, when she's in town here. And um, I would say the difference, gosh, I mean, I, I was a, a player all through the juniors. I was a tennis player. I played in college. I'm in the Hall of Fame for my, for my college. Did some coaching on the college level. And um, I, I always, I, I have my master's degree in exercise science. Always, always just loved. And I needed myself as a player because I started late at the age of 12. Uh, I really needed the physical side of things. Always the running movement. And I learned from a great, from some great strength, strength and conditioning coaches. Now, who was your mentor? My mentor was uh, Bill, he- probably Bill Hebson. Um, he was great. He was one of the guys who was a, um, probably he was doing functional training, sport specific training before the phrase was, functional training was a phrase. He was like one of the fathers of uh, a functional training. So I just happened to be lucky. He lived in my town and he had been working with uh, several high school athletes. And then, um, then later on, I, I also learned from some other really good strength coaches, uh, at my master's degree in exercise science was able to work with athletes from many different sports. Uh, it, in about 1998, that's when I came, I, I, was in Ohio for grad school at Miami University of Ohio and came back here probably the first 10 years. I did everything with, uh, it was just, it was strength and conditioning, physical development, endurance. But I, I just by accident happened to learn from some great coaches of players and those who are former players themselves. And they got to teaching me, um, how to do footwork. They actually didn't want to spend so much time with their player on the court. So that's how I started into the footwork side of things and just just loved it. I'll still do some strength and conditioning stuff, but probably most known for making footwork really efficient. And tell me, how much of movement is genetic? We all know, we talk about some players are good movers, some aren't, but how much can you train a player to be a good movement? Is there a limit? Like some some players may get by on strength only as a junior, and then once they hit senior level, their movement is finally exposed, even though they may work really hard on it. How so? How far can you? What's my what's the best way of wording this? Is uh, how good of a mover can you make a bad mover? Well, speed. I see speed as more of a genetic component, although that can be developed and should be caught early. Um, 
as players would need to go to uh, a person or uh, really someone focusing on just straight, strong speed by doing uh, different weight training, explosive movements, plyometrics, etc. But the component of actually moving around on a tennis court, stopping, starting, the balls never hit in the, the same area. They're different trajectories. Um, balls are hit at you, away from you, short, deep. That movement component, I, I have not really seen uh, many fast players, very, uh, I can't even name any, who are able to move around efficiently uh, on the tennis court and stop and start, who have not really focused on the, uh, the footwork efficiency side of things. Taking big steps when they have to, little steps when they have to, um, getting it, stopping, getting in uh, correct stance positions, whether it's open, closed, semi-open, when to go back for shots, when to come in for shots, how to, you know, again, the correct spacing. So th that component um, is more of a learned component. The speed, the speed I've seen, I've seen some genetically. And, and those, for me, uh, the ones who have that speed, natural speed, are, I find are much uh, easier or maybe not easier, but more fun to develop. So everyone, everyone says, oh, they get to all these balls, they get to all these wide balls, but there's, a, there's just a lot more to it. I suppose a, a fast, good mover is better than a slow, good mover. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So it, you need both. Let's say kids 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, at that age of tennis where they're still, their body's still developing, how much time should they be spending working on movement versus like ball striking? I know you can combine the two as well, but let's say practice versus some sort of movement exercises. I guess I would say it depends on each player's uh, needs and goals, of course. But they should, they should absolutely be, be spending uh, a good 25 minutes a day on, on tennis-specific movement activities. Not just uh, fundamental movement activities such as, you know, using the, the old good old ladder or just agility runs. Like actually moves that would be used on a tennis court. And that's just uh, from what I've seen. Maybe you can put together three or four videos of like three or four important exercises that, you know, all juniors that reach a certain level, let's say top five in their country, that sort of player that they need to be doing as a basis, part of 25 minutes. Here's Fabio, here's three or four exercises juniors should be doing. I know it's specific, but there must be some general ones that work for most players also. A absolutely. And I even, if you see on my, um, the Super Fit Tennis Instagram, I have videos of some players who have been super national champions in the country, top in the world, even have several videos of, of Coco doing things when she was younger and developing. So that, that can be a resource that any, anyone can use Yeah, as far as okay. movement patterns. There are specific ways to move, 
that's a different like you can be moving the the incorrect way with the wrong feed and not bending and not loading and so forth but um that that would definitely you know anyone can feel free to reach out and I'll, I'll direct them uh, accordingly. When you work, let's say you work with a new junior, it's a new term, you have some new players on your, on your court and your program. How, do, how does programs differ between somebody who's, let's say, fast and moves relatively well and somebody who's a bit, you know, slower, doesn't move as well, but their tennis level is the same? Gotcha. Yes, well, the, the one who's fast and doesn't move so well actually at first you slow down their movements a little bit and just focus on the technical elements of movement what movements are needed to get to the ball what should their stand structure look like when they're at the ball how should they move after they hit the ball um whereas the other other person who really needs speed you have to focus on um more on speed activity, such as explosiveness, jumps, um, of course, the, a lot of short runs, different movements with the cords for resistance. Um, probably prior to actually getting into, well, you can do it at the same time. You can do the efficient movements as well with that, but they're, they're going to need to focus much more on the speed development, either with myself or I'll send him to a top, you know, speed development person. And then what about, you talk about speed and how weights can play a factor into that, you know, getting people stronger. At, at what age should kids start lifting weights? Or maybe there's two questions here. At what age should they start learning the weightlifting movements? And then at what age should they learn should they start adding actual weight gotcha well to, to me that's a little bit of a loaded question meaning um your body doesn't know the difference between whether you're lifting a weight or throwing a medicine ball or using a, a weight vest doing body weight exercises using resistance bands uh and, and so forth um now weights they'll tend to be I feel more dangerous because uh, movement patterns, um, you can get them, you can tend to mess up those movement patterns easier. Um, but players can, can use weights. My, my definition of weights is, uh, is maybe different. Even with higher, uh, even with top professional players, I don't, I don't see a, a purpose of very heavy weights being used. You might use light weights with, with any, any kid with um, wrist exercise, let's say wrist rollers or wrist curls, um, lunges. You can, you can use um, very light weights, two pound weight for wrist rollers to protect the wrist, prevent injuries, hip, you know, Work, get stronger for volleys, for slices, forehands, everything. The, the wrist is very injury-prone area. You can use very light weights for many shoulder exercises. Almost at any age that the, uh, the person can comprehend the exercises. I mean, I've, I've 
work with kids with weights like that as young as, uh, say, eight years old. And they've never had any type of injury. I know that's always a, a subject of concern, but um, it's how you use the weights properly. And, you know, you only do the amounts that the player can, can handle. And you go up very gradually. You make sure the form is perfect. I mean, if a player can, just as an example, if they can do bo- uh, body weight lunges and squats very easily, I don't find it problematic at all that they can begin adding some weights. I'm not talking about a big barbell that you throw all kinds of hundreds of pounds on it and see these silly movements on the internet. <laughs> not like that, but to make the exercise more productive and make it easier for them to, let's say, bend their knees and hold certain positions and be stronger, more explosive on the tennis court. I don't, I don't see a problem at any age. I still remember as a junior having to hold the, the wall squat for, for minutes on end, the burn, like I still, I'm not sure if it's still a done thing now. Is it? It absolutely is. I have a, a movement actually I call wall squat with a friend. Okay. It's not a friend that you think what they do. They have a, a band, a resistance band around their knees while they're doing a wall squat. And you're holding the wall squat and actually doing an abduction movement where you're going, bringing the legs, the knees out, out, out each time. And it's great for, you know, it, it, it transfers great to your crossover movement when you're at wide balls. You cross over and push back to the middle. You're firing those glutes. Yes, absolutely. Jeff, when players come from junior to senior level, from a footwork point of view, what changes in their training? I would say a lot of those elements, uh, they really should try to ingrain the good habits during their junior years. Because once they are on that pro level, it's very hard. They're kind of stuck in their habits. And they're also going to tournaments 40 weeks a year. So changing uh, different footwork patterns or the way they move naturally is, is something that's going to be awkward to them. I, I would say similar in awkwardness to changing grips on forehands and changing stroke patterns. So it really should be something that is is done and then maintained as a professional. Okay. Uh, Interesting. And I have a four-year-old who I'm not sure how young the athletes are you work with, but look, he's fun like any kid, tries to get as much as possible like doing a bit of everything, you know, tumbles, hanging from bars, kicking balls, throwing balls, but nothing specific. But what resource do you reckon? This is a personal question now. What resources online or what do you recommend for kids, you know, to help them become good movers when they're older at this young age? Is there anything you see that helps make a difference long term? Absolutely. I've, I've 
Well, I don't really see things because uh, there's so much misinformation I'm seeing on the internet, but I would definitely have kids. I, I could tell you what Coco and several players have done. What, what she did, they had her in, in gymnastics in a pretty early age. I'm not sure, uh, maybe five, four, five, six gymnastics. Then she, she did track played some basketball. Some of the players play soccer at a young age. Just any kind of running, running around, playing, and having fun. And the, the most important thing at the age of four is, is having tons of fun on the tennis court and running around, whether they're hitting balls or you can toss them balls while they're on the court and they can run after them and catch them part of the time, then try to hit balls other times, have them moving and running, getting used to it. Yeah. No, look, makes a sense. It's about fun. The more fun they have, it, they have the better. Maybe even do some runs, some agility runs with them. Keep them active. It's good if the parents have fun as well. It always adds to it if the parents can have a bit of fun. But just another question around fitness, actually, or endurance on a tennis court. Do you have any exercises or any that come to mind to help players just have a better engine on the court. Yes. I mean, once I have, and most of the players have a, a good aerobic base from, and don't need really those longer distance runs. I love either having longer uh, agility runs between, let's say, 30 seconds and one minute, or uh, for that major endurance to last through very long matches and big tournaments, I like doing interval training with them, which is usually not, I don't generally have them do over a 400 meter run. Um, so they can either do 400s, 300s, 200s, 100s, repeated. And one reason I like those uh, in tennis uh, compared to doing long distance runs where your heart rate's at a steady state, in tennis, your heart rate goes up to very high levels and then comes down. Like you want that heart rate recovery strong. And that's what I find the interval training does. It's also a great idea if um, you know players can certainly add a a heart rate monitor monitor to their routines, use them while they're on court, as most of the players do these days, um, and or during uh, during their training, their endurance runs, and depending on the length of the run, uh, that's how you you change the length of time between those. For example, uh, for a 400-meter run, you do several repeated ones, uh, not going overboard. I would say not more than, than five for a junior. You would have a minute and a half or a two-minute rest interval, or you can also go by their heart rate monitor coming down to a, a certain level, such as 130. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm a big, 
big advocate of, uh, of that type of interval training. That was a big Andy Murray one. I remember him back in the day. He used to do his 10, 10 by 400s. Oh, I can't remember the exact time they used to do, but they were pretty quick. And I remember going out and trying. I was like, this guy has a proper engine. Like, these times, obviously, they're nowhere near Olympic times, but they're way better than recreational. Like, they're, they were decent. And for anybody to do it multiple times required, you know, a great level of fitness. No, just, just absolutely inc- incredible, incredible fitness level. And I think that that style of training, people can learn a lot from that Andy Murray style of training. And he was, when he did the 10, he was prepared for uh, certain, certainly those five set matches. These days in the junior tournaments, at least in the US, um, a lot of the matches are just are two sets. And then a third set, they do a tiebreaker. So endurance, I mean, it certainly becomes a factor later in the, uh, in the event, but, um, yeah, they don't quite need as much as Andy Murray, Andy Murray did in their junior years, but what he, the style of training he did was, was absolutely, I'm in a hundred percent agreement with, with that. Yeah. He was a beast. He was a beast. And tell me final question. How many slams is Coco going to win? Ah, for for me, it's it's really uh, unlimited. I mean, once she gains confidence, which it appears she has after winning this Grand Slam, it, it's really tough and to to beat her. And she also has a big upside. She knows there are, there are several elements she can improve with her strokes strategy movement, um, everything. So she could, I mean, she can string several together. Um, there's no, there's really no limit for her. And that's how I honestly feel. She's, she's not going to be a, uh, yeah, she's not just a one-time thing. One hit wonder. No, that's not her, her, how she's made up. Let's hope Jeff. Thank you very much. Uh, finally, where can, People find out more about you or ask you some questions if they have any. I would say probably the best way is um, shoot me a message on on Instagram uh, at superfittennis. Great. Thank you very much. Thank you very much, Fabio. I hope you enjoyed that episode with Jeff. Something different. Uh, great. I became aware of him. I didn't know about Jeff. So uh, yeah, let me know your thoughts and I'll be back next week with a very exciting episode. Bye. <laughs>